Stan and Heather Phipps lead uh, Glenridge Church and uh, an incredible church in Durban on top of the station. And uh, I had my roots back in that church all the way back in 1991, 92, 93. That's where I was. Foundations were being laid in my life, and I'm super grateful to have them here with us. And so uh, Stan and Heather are part of the New Covenant Ministries translocal team. This is not a guest speaker. This is a partner inputting into the life of the church. So church, I want to encourage you to open wide your heart. Let's receive what God is saying. Let's put our hands together. Stan, great. Great to have you with us. Heather, great to have you with us. Come on. Uh. Hello, everybody. Um, we do feel like, oh, I'm so short. I'll just stand up here. Um, we do feel like friends. We, we don't come here as anything but friends. We just, yeah, we love to come and meet new people. Um, so it's lovely to be here. Um, you will be blessed by my husband. He loves the Word of God. And, um, yeah, he's been waiting on God for this morning, so I really do trust that um, he's going to bless you. But thanks for having us. It's been wonderful to meet you. Sorry we don't have more time, but hopefully we'll see some more of you at this evening. Thanks for having us. Well, good morning. That uh, suit and tie, just in case you think that's what we normally do at home, that was at a wedding. So just, what's that? Exactly, man. I was, I was keen for the suit and tie, but then I, we do. Every now and again, I put a jacket on. I haven't done it for a while, but just to keep the guys guessing, just to keep everybody guessing. Yeah. Anyway, it really is wonderful to be here. Thank you for having us, and it's been wonderful to, be, to see what God has done in this church and what God is doing in this church. Um, I don't think you realize what a significant... Um, church and influencing church God's called you to be in this region. I know between you guys and solid ground, you've kind of got this, you've got this area kind of really uh, buttoned down, I want to say, but, but, or opened up is better. But, um, but I just want to commend you for, for the years and years of faithfulness and just, just being an influence for the community. And we feel we feel your influence in different parts of the city and in different parts of the country as, as the teams go out and people minister in different places. And um, you are a, you're a church of significance, you're a church of influence and a church of impact. And I think you've only just started. I, I do believe things are meant to go from glory to glory and not from glory to no glory. So... Um, so I really do commend you, and, and, and part of what I want to speak about this morning, I've, I've been talking this weekend about how small things have big impact in our lives, and in the kingdom of God, small things have big, big impact. If God wants to redeem all of creation, a big thing, what does he do? He sends a poor baby, an incarnation of himself, but this baby to become the solution to, to that, a small thing. If God wants to feed 5,000 on a hillside, you go to a little boy who's got some fish and some, some breads, a small thing that will have big impact. If God wants to make disciples of all nations a big thing, he chooses 12 people and says, now if you follow me and trust me and faithfully preach my name and faithfully be my presence wherever you go, we will disciple the nations, a small thing. And so every part of our lives is impactful in the kingdom. There's no Sunday life and Monday life or Tuesday life. There's no business. It's not, well, this is business. It's just business. Guys, don't be offended. There's no such thing as just business. It's all kingdom. And whatever we do and how we do it releases the kingdom or not. And either we're partnering with the king and releasing his kingdom or not. 
And, um, and one of those small things is a table and a meal, and I've been chatting a bit about that, and hospitality and the love of strangers, and a kingdom is a welcoming experience. The kingdom, is a, the kingdom of God is, a, is, is where God welcomes his people back, and it's, we're meant to be those people that welcome, and I felt so welcome walking into your church this morning. Well done. You are a very hospitable church. So what I want to do is I want to talk about how we as this people that are meant to release the, release the life of God and the, the kingdom of God. I want to look at Ezekiel 47. You can go there as I'm, as I'm kind of introing this thought. And um, Ezekiel 47 talks about a river, the river of life, a river of God. But it's a very unique river, which is what holy means. Holy means the word kadosh in the, in the, in the, in the Old Testament. It means unique. It means different. It means... None like it, none of its kind. So God is holy because no, nobody's like God. God is, nobody is creator, only God is creator. So that alone makes him in a class of his own. And God wants us to be in him, and whatever we do, we bring that uniqueness, that, that freshness, that new life, that, that holiness of God into everything that we do. And that's why the Holy Spirit is called the Holy Spirit. It's, he's not like any other spirit. There are other spirits in the world. There's a spiritual realm, and there's other parts of the world that operate under the Spirit. But this is the Holy Spirit. There's no other Spirit like this Spirit. It's the representation of God. It's the, it's the Spirit of truth. It's the Spirit of Christ. It's the Holy Spirit. And God invites us into the Holy of Holies, into the very essence, into the very core of His uniqueness he, and His presence. He pulls us, and He says, the door is open. The, the curtain has been torn. Come in. And so actually what we call to do is we, re- we call to release that uniqueness of life, that, that profound holiness of life into, the, into all of our lives, in our lives and through our lives. And in John chapter 7, verse 38, Jesus says this, Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow ribbing, uh, rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit whom those who, believe, who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So he's promising this Holy Spirit to be released through the holy people of God, the holy priesthood, the holy nation who is the people of God, this uniquely, distinctly different people of God. And when, they look, when people look at us, they think there's something different. Yes, something, some people think we're weird. That's why you need a survivor's guide to the church. But, but other people are going to look at it and say, you know what, you're completely other. I want, I want more of that. What do you do? How, what's that? Show me. I don't, know, I don't understand it, but show me. It's, there's a holiness to it. And he says, out of your hearts, rivers of living water. Rivers of this holy water. And when I say holy water, I'm not talking about the stuff that the guys sell. That promises to bless you. That's not holy water. That's just water. This water is a different kind of water. This is a river of life that flows from the throne room of God. And um, as we begin to read Ezekiel 47, now kind of picture this. You're in the middle of a desert. Jerusalem's in a desert. Jerusalem is a unique city in that it's never, it, it hasn't got a river that feeds it. it, it most cities would build, be built next to a river. Because that was, that was what would make it defensible. That's what would make it sustainable. You need water to live. 
But Jerusalem didn't have a river like that. And what it had, it had a, it had a, had a spring to the east of it. And Hezekiah built tunnels and aqueducts to give it water. So it had a unique water source. So kind of think of that in the physical. And think of the desert as, as we read this. This is a desert. And uh, water in the desert is a sign of blessing and life. So, so wherever you have water in a desert, that's a place. That's an oasis. That's where you want to be. That's where people, they move from oasis to oasis in the desert. And the church is called to be an oasis that we can move wherever we like. We, we join this unique holy people and we get blessed. And there's this river of life. So think of that as we, as we read this scripture. The man brought me back, Ezekiel 47, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. It's amazing how specific he is with all of this. Quite amazing. Anyway, it's not going to change your life. It's just interesting to see. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east, and the water was flowing from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hands, he measured off a thousand cubits. A cubits is about 450 meters. If you've got an NIV, it says that at the bottom. He measured 450, say 500 meters, and then led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand cubits, another thousand, and he led me through water that was waist deep. He measured off another thousand, but now the river was that I, that I, I, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in. A river that no one could cross. So this is a fast flowing river. It seems to be getting faster the further away it goes from the temple. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on either side of the river. He said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down towards the Arabah. And if you know what the Arabah is, if you look at, if you've got Bible notes at the bottom of your thing, it says the Dead Sea. So this river is flowing from the temple through the desert into the Dead Sea. Look what happens as it hits dead things. Look at what happens when this holy water, this holy river, this, this unique river, this river that's not no other river, this, look what happens as it begins to flow. This water flows towards the eastern region where it goes down into the Arabah, which is the Dead Sea, and where it enters the sea. When it empties into the sea, the water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There'll be large numbers of fish because the water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from En Gedi to En Galam. There will be places for spreading of nets. The fish will be of so many kinds, like the fish of the Great Sea, the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh the, sorry, the, but the, the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. I love that text. I'm going to get to that. We're going to pray for some business people today. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. 
Your leaves will not, be, uh, will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear, because the water from the sanctuary, ah, sanctuary, that's sanctify. In the New Testament, sanctify is the word holy. So a process of sanctification is a process of becoming more other, like God is other. It's a process of sanctification. That's it's flowing from, now you know why this river is different. Is it because it flows from a holy place? It flows from the sanctuary. It flows to them, it says. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for the healing. And in Revelation chapter 22, it talks about a similar river that's flowing from the Lamb and from the, from the throne of God. And it says its leaves are for the healing of the nations. So there's this, right through the scriptures, there's this idea of this flow of God, this river of God that flows. And, and Jesus says, actually, there's something in you that's meant to flow, that's meant to be a river, it's meant to bring life in, in desert places and barren places and dead places. That's the church. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So what's nice is when you read this and you understand what holiness is, that it's unique, that, that it's, it's in a class of its own, it's, it's holy, it's it's, it's, it's dedicated for use. So that your utensils would be, would be lathered, would be anointed, would be filled with, would be uniquely prepared in the temple to be used in the holy place of God. You couldn't just take anything. You couldn't just take something that was common and use it in the temple. It had to be, you had to, there was a recognition. And that wasn't because that thing all of a sudden became some mystical Raiders of the Lost Ark kind of thing that if you touch that, you're going to die. It was, it was God showing his people that I'm a unique God. You, don't, you, you separate me from the rest. That spoon that you use in your house, not the same spoon that you use there, it needs a process in it. it needs, it's, it's to symbolize uniqueness and holiness right through the, through the scriptures. And we find in Jesus, friends, the man that bridges the unique holiness of God with the commonness of the commonality or the commonness of or the normalness, I don't know what's the word, of people and makes us holy and connects the holiness of God with our fragility, with our weakness, with our sin and with all our stuff and just, and Jesus stands and he pulls us together so that we become holy. And remember in the New Testament, when you touch holiness, you become holy. You don't make the holiness unclean. And this is, what, this is the power of God and the power of God's holiness. When you touch it, it's Isaiah touches lips. All of a sudden, he gets clean. I'm digressing. Okay, so I want to look at the uniqueness of this river. A couple of points about the uniqueness of this river that we can learn from, I believe, in our own lives as we flow. As God's called us to flow, friends. I was talking yesterday to the leaders about a table and how easy it is to be around the table if we understand the holy river of God that's in us, that flows through us. All you've got to do is find God and rest in Him and put love on the table and God will work. You, 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 it's, not, it's not clever like only for some special SAS Christians, like special forces Christians. No, 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 for everybody. Everybody. We just, we just flow because we all have the same Holy Spirit. We all, we all temples. Each of us are a temple and together we're a temple. And when you put the temples together on a Sunday and you worship God, it's just rivers of flowing water. It's a beautiful picture. Anyway, so a couple of these things. Number one, 
This river has a different origin. The thing that makes this river different is because it has a unique origin. It flows from the sanctuary of God. And the sanctuary of God is the dwelling place of God. So because this river flows from the house of God, because it flows from the dwelling place of God, because it flows from the presence of God, it has unique qualities. This river does not come from a king's palace. It does not come from a government building. Politics will not save us. It doesn't come from the marketplace. It doesn't come from a business place. It doesn't come from an athletic arena. It comes from the presence of God. It comes from the dwelling place of God. It comes from the temple of God. It comes from the house of God. Jerusalem had a river that no other nation had. It lacked a natural resource, but it, but it, over, it was overwhelming in supernatural resource. It had a river like nobody else. And I want to say to us as believers this morning, you have a supernatural origin. You have a supernatural source. Yes. If you will go to the presence of God, if you'll put yourself in the presence of God, if you'll become aware of the presence of God, if you will come to the house of God, the church, if you will, come, if you will give yourself to that source, there will be a flow of living water. That is not just for you. Amazing thing, if God wanted to keep it in the temple, he would just have a moat that kind of went around the temple. But God takes this living water and he puts it in the desert and says, now go out. And I know that the text doesn't say that, but in my mind I just see multiple streams of just this dynamic river and life flowing. You see, the river that God gives us, this uniqueness, this holiness of river that God gives us is not just for us. It's for others. Be blessed, Genesis chapter 1. Be fruitful. Be multiplying. Now fill the earth and subdue it. You don't jump to subduing. Are we going to change the world? No, no, no. You start with thank you for the blessing of God. You learn to be fruitful with the blessing of God in your own life. All your fruit carries seed. This is our conversation yesterday, Brent. All our, every bit of fruit carries seed, which is able to multiply. And then you take that multiplying seed and you fill the earth with it. You get into the nations. You get into places. You get into deserts. You get into pain. You get into all these places and you bring the life of God. It has a different origin. The second thing about this river is that it is a different nature. There's a rapid increase in depth. Now, a normal river flows fastest at the source, so it cuts deeper, and then by the time it gets to the, the, the coast, it meanders because its power, it's lost its force. This river is flowing faster the further away it is. So this is a river that's getting deeper the further away it is from the source. That's a unique holy river. There's no kind of river like that that we know of. In, within two, two kilometers, you can't cross it. And it's, it's, you, you have to swim in it. You, you can't stand in it. There's a different nature to this river. It's, it's, it's different to a physical river. It's different to, it's opposite to the world. And what that says to me, for us, is that it doesn't matter where you are with God. In fact, it doesn't matter what place you're in. You can go deeper with God. 
It's, 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 like you, it's like you can't, it's not Sunday, well, that's the depth of my life. No, 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 you have an ability because of the community, because of the Word of God, because of the Spirit of God, because of the uniqueness and the holiness of the Spirit of God, to be deep wherever you are. So there's a flow. I, I suppose what I'm saying is this. Is there a greater flow in your boardroom than that what there is here? Not that this is the source. Just a thought. Is there, is there the, the further you go, is it deeper? Are you expecting, do we expect that? Because I carry the river, of, the river of God. I carry the life of God in me. And I'm that kind of river that just deepens. And is my life, as we go, am I getting deeper with God? Or in my, in my crustiness as I get older and my grumbliness as I get older and my more cynicalness as I get older towards the church and towards God, or am I actually getting shallower and softer rather than getting deeper and more profoundly powerful? It's not up to young people to take this river far. It's for, it's for all of us. It's for old people. It's for young people. It's for different kinds of people because the issue is not you. It's the source, which is him. This, the third one is this. It's got different properties, this river. So it's not only got a different nature, it's got different properties. It's got an ability to flow into the Dead Sea. You know what the Dead Sea is? That salty place. Nothing lives there. No life there. Nothing can live there. But this river, when it encounters death, begins to bring it to life. It's a, it's a powerful, it's not just a powerfully flowing river. It's its very nature and life is more powerful than death. Friends, every single one of us carry that life in us. I cannot wait for the day when we are laying hands on the dead and seeing them raised to life. Because to me, that's the implication of this. Lord, please, we want to see your miraculous kingdom breaking out. This life flowing into, into broken bodies, into depression, into all sorts of death, into all sorts of disease. Father, we want to see this come in power. When I look at this river, it encourages me to say, Lord, there's a different property. It brings life. It makes salt water fresh. I believe we are drinking in Mirancia, we are drinking desalinated water. Magnificent, magnificent apparently. <laughs> this water is like a serious desalinating. Yeah. It's inherent in the water. You don't have to spend millions putting a plant together. You just flow this water and it just desalinates and it makes it fresh. Isn't it absolutely phenomenal? So it's got different properties. It's got a different nature. It's got different origins. But it's also a different kind of life. I love what it says there. It empties into the Dead Sea where it becomes fresh. And swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. Look at, look at more of the description. There will be large numbers of fish. And it, and it compares this river... That is only two k's long by the time you can't swim. It's probably longer than that by the time it reaches. Actually, I haven't checked that. I'd love to see how far it is to the Dead Sea. 
It now compares the ecology and the biology of that river that is flowing in such a short distance to the life that's in the Mediterranean Sea. Think of that. This trickle of a river that gets deeper and deeper and more profound gets compared to the ecology of, the Medi- of a sea and all its life and all its... Where did that come, stuff come from? You see, this river, the life of this river is able to create life. It doesn't just bring life, it creates life. It creates an ecosystem. And one of my prayers is, Lord, let the kingdom of God, through the people of God, create an environment of flourishing wherever they go. Create an ecosystem of, of life and kingdom come wherever we go. Whether it be at our boardroom table, our coffee table in a coffee shop, or a, or a breakfast table, whatever it is, wherever you go. Whatever conversation you're in, Lord, let the life of God throw, flow through your, through your people. And it says there, everything will live. That's quite a statement. Eh? Everything, wherever that is, if there's just a hint of life, it just, whoosh, it just flourishes. And I'm saying, Lord, please, we want more of this. Let your people get, break all our mindsets, break all our ceilings, break all our, all our hard and cynicalness, and let your life throw, flow through us, Lord God. As communities of people, as small groups and connect groups of people, as individuals, as businesses, as mark, whatever it is, let your, wherever your people go, go make sure that everything lives. You have an ability to bring things to life in God. And whether that's a business idea or whether it's a person that needs help, there's enough life for all. There's a swarming. I'm saying, God, let all believers have a swarming around them. I'm like... Think, sometimes I think I'm being idealistic. But I'm thinking, Lord, yeah, surely. Surely we can believe this. Surely we can trust for you to do this. If we can adjust and enlarge in our expectation and our love. The fifth thing is this. It says, I've spoken about this. It's, I've said it like this. It's got a different ambit in life, this river of life. It's like, look at what it says there. It says, not only will the river flow and there'll be trees, but there will be fishermen fishing on either side. You see, this is a river of life that creates opportunity and employment. This is not just meant for a Sunday. This is not just meant for a spiritual life. This is meant for all of life. And so what happens, this river flows, and all of a sudden there's people fishing now, there's people eating. There's people not hungry, and there's people creating businesses and opportunities. And I love this verse. It says in verse 11, but swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. When I looked at that, I think, so in other words, there's this river of life that flows, and it goes into the Dead Sea and makes it, but it doesn't squash all of what was there before. It leaves some of it behind. And I thought, initially when I read that, I thought, no, actually, maybe that is because you can choose not to receive this river of love. And you can. You can get out of the river whenever you want and not be in the life of God and be in the desert. But I read this in a commentary which absolutely blessed me, which is why we want to pray for some business people. It says this. Certain areas near the former Dead Sea 
that will keep their old characteristics so that the useful minerals gained from the Dead Sea will still be available from those places. Goes on to say, the preservation of some pockets of saltiness is intentional, recognizing the economic benefit of the minerals found in and around the Dead Sea. Salt is not only a valuable seasoning and preserving agent, the word functions generically for a wide range of chemicals extracted from the sea. So God's love has an ability to discern what needs to stay and what needs to go. So God's life has an ability to think through, if I destroy that, it's going to take the economic system out of this because they need this salt and they need these minerals. So he leaves some of them there. He kind of cleanses some of them and just bypasses the rest. You see how clever God is. You see, God, this river of luck, thinks of the economics of a region. Thinks of the economy of a region. And it says, actually, we'll flow, and I'll make sure that the ecology is is flourishing, but I'll also make sure that the economy is flourishing so that they can be flourishing around this river. This river, friends, is not just meant for you. This river is not just meant for the inside of a church building. This river is meant for the world that is dying, that is like a dead sea, that is lacking life, that is lacking joy, and we are that river. And we are that unique vessel and flow of God into those dry and desert places. It's the small things, friends, that lead to big impact. It's the small encouragement. It's the small just seed of faith that will lead to moving a mountain. It's the small things, friends. It's not the big things. You just do the small things well, and the kingdom life changes the big things. And then lastly... There's a different kind of fruitfulness to this river. It brings fruit trees. The leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail. So the leaves are always green, and the fruit is always fresh. There's always fruit on this tree. I wish my life completely represented that, completely green leaves all the time, and complete fruitfulness all the time. My wife will tell you that that's not the case. But I want it to be. But I'm expecting God to do something in me, to help me to be evergreen and to be ever fruitful in everything we do. He goes on to say, every month they will bear. Every month. It continually, consistently produces the life of God. Because it flows from the holy place. Friends, if we neglect the holy place with God, you will flow, but it won't be life-giving. You might flow. The holy place of God, His presence, His life, faith in His work, not our work, and, and being in that place, being in, God put, puts you into community to help you to find that holy place. Not, not an, it's not, it's per, Christianity is personal, but it's never individual. Christianity is personal, but it's never individual. It's always communal. It's always God puts you into a family. It was the people of God, not the person of God. 
It was a nation of God. Not me and my family only. But look what he does. He says there, because he flows from the holy place, their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. So this is fruit that is always green and always fresh, but it's for food and it's for healing. Friends, I want to say to you, if you're in the medicine, medical, I'm actually going to pray specifically for that. I've just thought of that right now. If you're in the medical fraternity, why don't you just stand quickly? Medical, if you're a doctor or a, some, anything to do with medical, healing of people, hospitals, if you run a hospital. The life of God is for the healing of the nations. Why don't you just, in the place of receiving, I want to just pray for you quickly. Father, I pray for these men and women and all those that rep- they represent in the life of this church, that you would use the life of God the flow of God through their lives to bring healing to people, Lord God. Let them never, ever think that they're outside of the life of God because they work in a hospital. Let them never, ever think that they're not holy enough to bring healing. Let them never, ever limit themselves to their own life, but let them enjoy the holy life of God that flows from the sanctuary in Jesus' name. Beautiful. You guys can sit down. This, friends, is the life of God that God wants. It's the simple thing. And God's asking us to go deeper with Him. It's an amazing thing. It's, the way you go deeper with God is not mystical and magical. It's my favorite words at the moment. It's like it's not, it's actually just being with Him. The, the thing that makes the place holy is because God's presence is there. A bush can be holy. Because God's presence is there. Wherever God's presence is, it becomes holy. Wherever you facilitate the life and the presence of God, you begin to stand on holy ground. Not just, not just Moses, us. In Christ, even more so because of Christ. So with that in mind, I want to also pray for the business people. And Helen, maybe you can bring your word as well. So if, you, if you're in business, you own your own business, listen, all of us are in our own business, but if you own your own business, all of us work for somebody, I'm sure, but if you own your own business, why don't you just stand up? Or you're a business leader, you're an MD or a CO, or a CEO or a COO, or just you're a, you feel like God's called you to business. Okay, let's put it even wider. If God's called, feel like God's called you to business, and you, you, that's your game. Helen, do you want to? Just like God is able to keep an economy going. If you're involved in financial economics, economy stuff, what do you call that thing? Economies. Economic, like you're investing and you also stand. Go for it, Helen. Um, so I've been reading through 1 Kings uh, over the last month or so. And um, in 1 Kings chapter 5, um, it talks about um, Solomon beginning to build the temple and how he reaches out to um, uh, the guy who runs Lebanon because they want the cedar trees to be able to build a temple. And there's just one verse in here. In the whole of this chapter, I believe that it speaks. If you are a business owner, go and read it. There is much in there about the way that we run our businesses and the way that we run um, 
yeah, in, in business. But there's one verse, it's verse 14. And it says, he sent them off to Lebanon in shifts of 10,000 a month so that they spent one month in Lebanon and two months at home. And as someone who has had a husband who's worked away from home, for a year Christian worked in Joburg Monday to Friday. He would take the earliest flight out on a Monday and the last one back on a Friday. And the nature of his business is that he gets asked to do contracts um, where often they'll say, no, no, he must go to Kuwait for three months and then home for two weeks. And as I read this and I wrote in the margin, fair employer and wisdom, and I believe that we as um, business owners are to be above and beyond in the way that we run our businesses. And we are to see our employees as an opportunity to be able to love them like the Lord loves them. And that is going to look countercultural. It's going to look like it doesn't make business sense. It's going to impact your bottom line. But God is calling you to do it. He's calling you to have a business that represents the kingdom of heaven, that represents his heart and his values for his people. Because the people who are in your employment are first and foremost sons and daughters of the father. And you are to love them and you are to bless them as the father would love them and would bless them. And I want to encourage you that it might feel really scary and there might be people on your board or in your committee or in your team who are saying, we absolutely cannot do that. We cannot afford medical. We cannot afford bonuses. We cannot afford uh, a higher wage increase. We cannot afford... um, uh, transportation. We cannot afford food bursaries. We cannot afford to do that. Look at the current climate. Now is not the time. And I want to tell you now is the time. Now is the time for you to actually to do that. And God is going to bless your business. He's going to bring you favor. Whatever you, um, you sow into it, you are going to reap. And I just believe that there is a calling for our businesses to be little pockets of heaven. Um, so that's the, the first thing. And then do you want to pray? Sp- and then the, we've been speaking. Uh, a lot in our church um, about the harvest, and we've really felt God speaking to us about the harvest. In Matthew 9, it says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Um, and so I'm going to go a little bit wider than Stan has gone. Um, if you are in the marketplace, so i.e. if you are not employed by the church, will you just put up your hand? Don't be shy. Yeah. If you are not employed by the church, put up your hand. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking, I was like, wow, okay. This is you. You are the harvesters. The harvest is ripe. It is ready. I want you to walk into your workspace tomorrow morning and I want you to look at your teammates and your colleagues with fresh eyes. Because they are ripe and they are ready. I was sharing with the team this week. um, We've been talking, as Stana said, about hospitality and around the table. I took a couple of my team members out for lunch a few weeks ago. 
the following day, one of the girls phoned me and she said, I really want you to mentor me. I said, absolutely, what a privilege, I'd love to. Mentoring is discipling. We sat down and we had our meeting. We talked absolutely nothing about work. We spoke absolutely everything about what is going on in her marriage, what is going on for her and her value and her worth. And we spent this whole time talking about it. The following morning, it was a Saturday morning, she sends me a WhatsApp detailing this vivid, vivid dream that she has had the night before. It is a hectic dream. And she sends me a screenshot of this website that she's gone on of this spiritual lady um, who's giving an interpretation of the dream. And she says to me, what do you think about this dream? And I said to her, I have a friend at church. She's part of the team with us. She really has a gift. God has given her a gift to interpret dreams. Can I send it to her and ask her to pray about it for you? So I, she said, absolutely. I sent it to the friend. She prayed about it, sent me it back. It was spot on. What is going on in this girl's heart, in her home, in her marriage? Spot on. So I sent it to her. And she just wept and she said, tell your friend, thank you so much. It was all about the interpretation of this dream was all about God's plans for her, how he wants to bring freedom for her, how there is a holiness that she needs to say yes to and step into. From one lunch, from one lunch with a colleague. And now she's reaching out and she's understanding that God has a purpose and a calling for her. So my encouragement to you is go into your workplace tomorrow. It is the harvest field. Look at your teammates and your colleagues with fresh perspective and fresh eyes and look for opportunities and moments to speak life over them. Just have a coffee with them. Just take some rusks in. Just do whatever you need to do to be able to bring Jesus into your workspace. That is your ministry. If you are working in the marketplace, that's your ministry. That's my ministry. God called me back into the workspace, into the corporate at the beginning of this year. That's my mission field. And God is opening spaces for me and it is beautiful and wonderful. So that is my encouragement. So can we all stand? Can we all stand? Just that's a practical application of the river of God flowing wherever it goes and bringing life and changing hearts, gifts being set up and word used. Father, I pray, even as those business people stood up, Lord God, I pray that you did something in them, Lord God. I pray that you do something for them, Lord God, even now, Lord God, as we pray. But Father, this is for everybody, Lord God. This is not just for a few. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would endow us, that you would clothe us from on high, that you would that you'd fall upon us, that you would come upon us, that you would stir us, that, Father, you would give us the courage and the confidence to step out in faith and to realize, Lord God, who, what, who we carry. We carry the Holy Spirit. We carry the, the presence of Jesus wherever we go. And, Father, let us be those gifts that release that life in your amazing name. Amen. Bless you guys. Thank you. Amen. Let's give the Lord a round of applause and say thank you, Lord. And, uh, Mm. 
Thank you so much, uh, Stan and Heather. What a great gift. It's, uh, well, isn't that a beautiful picture? Oh, Lord, that we would be that church, the river flowing into our city, into our region. What a, an amazing blessing. Just before I close off in prayer, I was praying this morning. I didn't know what uh, Stan was going to be preaching about. And I was looking again at the life of Jesus. It said he prayed for people. In fact, I thought when you said if you're in the medical industry, you should stand. I thought actually all of us should stand because Jesus says to his disciples, go and heal the sick. So, I mean, we're in that medical industry. We're just not doing such a good job yet. But what I was burdened for, it said they brought to Jesus all of those who suffered from severe pain, and he healed them. Now, a whole bunch of things, but that little phrase, suffered from severe pain. I don't think that was they stubbed their toe that morning, but they lived with a lifestyle of constant pain, and Jesus healed them. And I felt there might be someone here this morning who's living in severe pain. Imagine if this river washes over you. Dead sea becomes life. If that's you, we're going to be praying for you on our little red carpet in the corner. So while everyone goes for coffee, if that's you, come for prayer. Let's trust God that that river of life will bring healing. Father, thank you so much for the incredible blessing. Thank you for this amazing picture of the Holy Spirit flowing in us, through us, as a church, out into the world, being life, bringing change, bringing the kingdom. And Father, I pray, help us to guard this word by the power of the Holy Spirit. Help us. We thank you, Lord. Grace follows faith. We have faith, Lord God, that we are river carriers, that we want to see that river flowing, and so we're going to trust you for that, Lord. We believe your grace is upon us to do it. So thank you, Lord God. Thank you for Stan and Heather. Thank you for the team that's with them. Thank you for the blessing they are in our lives. Thank you that as we go, we go knowing your gracious hand rests upon us in Jesus' name. And God's people say? People say? People say?